Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Limitless Estates, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family by using real estate as your vehicle. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Welcome to another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Joining us today, Bryce Robertson. Bryce, thanks for joining us today. How's it going? G'day, guys. Yeah, I'm great. Fantastic. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks. Nice to have you on the show. Here's a little bit about Bryce. Bryce has 20 years experience in major construction, real estate, and business. Bryce is a full-time investor, having raised millions of dollars and created success via mobile home park investing. With that being said, Bryce, could you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Yeah, g'day. I'm Bryce, your Australian mobile home park mate. And when it comes to mobile home parks, I own, operate, syndicate, and educate. So that means that I own mobile home parks. I manage them through uh, my specifically built property management company. I also syndicate deals, which is where I I put mobile home park deals together and then have an option for investors to get involved and I raise capital. So we we do a a joint collaboration there and also teach people to how to recreate what I've done and how to invest in mobile home parks. And I do that through my live events, home study course, and uh, a lot of speaking engagements as well. Awesome. Well, thanks for that, Bryce. And thanks for joining us. Um, One thing that Lolita didn't mention in your bio, but I've read your bio. um, It mentions that you got your start with a negative $50,000 net worth. Can you talk a little bit Mm -hmm. about that? And how does that how do you even start from there? And uh, what does that look like? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I suppose I started off with odds that were going against me. I had a negative net worth of $50,000. I had about $2,000 in the bank and I had a, an unseasoned credit score. And you would think those odds would be against me uh, for getting a mobile home park, but you know, mobile home parks are interesting investments. It doesn't just take one person to get involved in them. You can get a few people involved. So um, I went out there, I, I found the park that I was looking for. I put it under contract. I had enough money. I had my $2,000 that I could use for my earnest money deposit. And I had so much drive and desire to make that deal work that I ended up raising the capital and closing on the deal three months later. Wow, that, that's amazing. It's all about persistence, right? I mean, it doesn't really matter what your situation is. As long as you have the determination and drive, uh, you can get anything done. So that's, that's awesome that you pulled yourself out of that. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, so since you're the first one to come on our show and talk about mobile home parks, can you give the listeners a little more background about your specific strategy and goals behind investing in mobile home parks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I suppose my business model is pretty simple. I like to uh, basically double a mobile home park's value. Um, I like value add mobile home parks. Uh, so that means that I like to buy a mobile home park that maybe has a lower occupancy or the rents are a little bit below market or some kind of portion in the deal where I can massively add value. 
to to the to the value of the park. So I like to go in there and I like to buy mobile home parks that are 50% to 80% occupied, that have some vacant spaces, that have some rents that are low, maybe there's some extra expenses in the profit and loss that I could um, remove that aren't necessary and then get our net, net operating income increased. And it usually takes me about three to five years to double the value of a mobile home park. Okay, great. So That's, can you can you tell us the difference between, um, and, and maybe you don't know, but the difference between investing in a mobile home park versus let's say an apartment building, what, what are the major differences? Mm -hmm. Well, one of the main differences is an apartment building, you share walls and a ceiling and a floor with another apartment. Um, the thing about mobile homes is they're singular units on a piece of land. So you basically, you have your own yard, you don't share any walls or anything like that. And Mobile homes are transportable. So um, even though mobile homes are transportable, it costs about $4,000 to move, uh, set down, and, and set back up a mobile home. So mo for the most part, because we're in affordable housing, people don't typically move them. So for all intents and purposes, most homes stay where they are. However, in an apartment, you're always renting the apartment. Whereas in the mobile home park, we prefer that the tenants own their home and they're just renting the land. So really the ultimate setup where all the tenants own their homes in a community where we're a glorified parking lot. So that's, I would say that's the, the biggest difference with uh, mobile home parks and, and apartments is the ownership of the actual homes themselves. Mm -hmm. A lot of people say that mobile home parks are recession proof thoughts on that. And maybe a couple of reasons why uh, people say that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. You know, when we have economic downturns, people usually like to scale down financially. That means that, you know, if someone was renting a, uh, a place for $1,500 a month and they're going through some hard times financially, if they have to make a financial decision, they would most likely be scaling down and going down to $1,000 a month or $500 a month or whatever it needs to meet their new needs. Uh, mobile home parks is it's really the one of the lowest rungs that you can live in in America. I mean, the average mobile home park lot rent is about two hundred and fifty to three hundred dollars a month, so that's pretty affordable living. So you know, as people scale down, um, that gets compressed and pushed to the bottom. So if there's financial times that are being hard. Uh, mobile home parks are going to be more, more busy and more busy because people are going to be compressing down into the lower scales of rent and, and that's mobile home parks. So it's uh, definitely a good thing for mobile home parks when times are tough because people have nowhere else to go. Mm -hmm. Got it. Where do people find out where mobile home parks are? I mean, is there kind of like a Zillow or an apartments.com type of uh, website that you can go to where you're kind of looking up uh, mobile home parks? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, one place you can go loopnet, loopnet.com, and there's, uh, there's an RV and mobile home park sections in there. Uh, there's also a, a website that's specifically built for mobile home park um, sales, and that is, um, that is mobilehomeparkstore.com. Okay. And yeah. what, are the, what are some of the biggest challenges you face with this asset class? Some of the biggest challenges? Correct. Um, I would say, you know, some of the biggest challenges would be owning utility systems. 
And, um, you know, if you own a utility system, then you, you essentially become a, a utility company, really. And you have to follow all the rules and guidelines. And there's a lot of administration that goes with that. And there's a lot of responsibility that goes with that. And then there's also the financial component of being financially responsible should the system fail or anything go wrong with it and having to deal with the consequences of what that is actually like for the tenants if for some reason they don't have water for a couple of days or or there's a problem with a sewer or electric system or or anything like that so i would say that would be one of the biggest challenges which is why um in my purchase criteria i heavily try to avoid purchasing a mobile home park that owns private utilities and if I do, I definitely want to get that compensation in my purchase price to accommodate any things that could pop up and all the management that would be involved. Okay. And so one thing about mobile home parks that I've heard is that they're not building them anymore, or maybe that the municipalities are not allowing them to be built. Uh, is that a good mm -hmm. thing or a bad thing for investors? And can you tell us why they're no longer building them? Well, I would say it's really a good thing. Uh, it's a good thing for mobile home park investors, and it, it really comes down to supply and demand. Um, depending on how you want to look at it or where you want to get your statistics, about 30% of Americans qualify uh, to live in affordable housing, to live in, they have the kind of financial status to draw them to want to live in a mobile home community. Now, there's only about 45,000 mobile home parks available nationwide, and annually, we have a 1% decline in mobile home park inventory each year because more mobile home parks get closed down so that a high-rise can come and replace it than, what is, uh, than, than cities allow mobile home parks to be built in their area. And I think one of the main reasons that mobile home parks aren't typically allowed to be built so populously in areas is because, you know, when someone drives into a city, what would they prefer to see? The city would prefer to have a tall building that has, you know, at least a couple of stories and they can make it all shiny and nice as opposed to a mobile home park. So from an aesthetic perspective, a lot of cities just don't want to really support that kind of thing, even though America's economy desperately needs it. Um, it's it, Those needs aren't being met. So... So what does that ultimately mean for us as mobile home park investors? It means that there is a massive, massive amount of people that need to stay in this affordable housing and there's a very limited supply. Mm -hmm. Yep, got it. So from a passive investor's perspective, how are deals typically structured and what do they look like? Sure. Well, that's, that's really going to vary from operator to operator. The way, the basic way I've done my deals in the past is I like to double my investors' capital in three to five years. Uh, and that really depends on the economy of the mobile home park, how much value add there is in there. But, you know, a combination of cash flow and equity is uh, doubling the investors' capital in three to five years. So say an investor would come in and invest $100,000 then after year three or year five, depending on the actual business plan for that specific mobile home park, the investor would have had $200,000 returned to them. Their original $100,000 plus an additional $100,000 as well. Okay. And you may have touched on this a little bit earlier, but what are some of the things that you're doing to add value to get to that number for the passive investors? 
Mm-hmm. Well, one of the simple things is that, you know, sometimes we're buying a mobile home park off of mum and pop who just wants to be nice to their tenants. And so they've allowed their tenants to stay at the same lot rent for the last 10 years. And they just haven't raised their rents, you know, 10 to 15% each year to stay up with market. So we'll come in and we'll buy it based off the value of the current lot rents, although they're dramatically under market. So we can raise the, raise the lot rents up to market, which sometimes can be, you know, $50 or even more. And then we apply a cap rate to that. And then there's a massive amount of value added that way. Another thing we can do is we can look through all of the expenses and we can go, all right, well, we wouldn't use these expenses. We don't need to have these expenses in there. Um, And then one of the things is utilities. We like to look at utilities. Utilities can sometimes be uh, directly billed to tenants or sometimes they can be directly billed to the park and then billed back to tenants. We always like to make sure that the tenants are paying for all of their utilities. Uh, That definitely relieves the park of that financial responsibility, which increases our net operating income. It also gives the uh, tenants a little bit more skin in the game because when they're paying for the utilities, they're being a little bit more conscious and a bit more conservative of their water use and electrical use as well. Um, Other things we can do in mobile home park is we have vacant lots. We can bring in homes for anything from uh, $2,500 to $15,000, depending on which uh, program we'll use or which method we'll use for bringing a home in and filling a lot. Um, and that can increase the, that particular lot value of about twenty-three dollars to $25,000. So we can do that for 10 lots in a park or we could do it for 100 lots in a park. That's a, that's a massive way to add value. Uh, it's also, that is also a uh, quite hard work as well. You know, if you're going to be bringing in 100 mobile homes and getting them remodeled and set up, and, and that's, that's a whole lot of work there too, and some capital expenditures in there, but it definitely works out in the long run, and that's one of the main ways that we double the value of a mobile home park. Okay. And what about property management? Does that work the same way as multifamily? Are there companies out there that come in and you, you put in a manager and a maintenance person, or is it different with mobile home parks? That's a fantastic question. Um, you know, in apartments, typically when people are paying for a per unit price for apartments, they're paying tons more than what they're paying at a mobile home park. Okay. So if we have a 200 if we have a 200 apartment uh, building, then and you're giving your property manager say 4% or 5% for property management, just for example's sake, then they're getting 5% or 4% of the revenue of a 200 um, apartment building uh, revenue. Whereas for mobile home parks, we're talking about lot rents that are down at $250, $300 a month where, you know, apartments could be 700 or 800 or 1500 a month, massive difference. So when you're talking about the revenue coming in from mobile home park compared to a comparable size apartment complex, it's, it's much less revenue. So if a property manager is going to get paid four to 5% of that in a mobile home park, then you, you pretty much have to have at least 200 spaces or above to pay for a professional property management company that would be earning enough money to make it worth their while. So 
for the larger parks, yes, it's possible. Yes, there's companies out there. However, the, the typical way that mobile home park investors structure it is that they set their own property management company up and, and manage it in-house that way. Uh, but especially if you have an accumulation of smaller parks, like a 50-space park or a 40-space park, a 75-space park, um, you know, you really can't get high quality management for what you would be able to pay if you're paying 5% management fee on the revenues of $250, um, you know, per lot per month. So really it's a, it's a financial thing. So for that reason, most mobile home park owners self-manage and until you get into the larger parks. I mean, you know, mobile home parks can go all the way up to a thousand spaces. And at that point, I mean, you've got plenty of revenue coming in to pay a professional property management company. And, you know, property management is growing in the mobile home park space, just as, um, you know, attention from lenders and financing. And so there's a lot more options these days, but typically it's been a, a self-managed setup. Got it. And so one question I just thought of is the eviction process. Is that similar to apartments as well? Um, because, you know, the difference is, is that most of the, these people are going to be owning their own home and they're renting the lot. How does eviction work? Yeah, so it, it changes state to state as far as the rules and regulations and timelines. But the end of the story usually ends up being around about the same. And that is if a tenant hasn't paid their rent, then they, we can go through the, the notice period of them being able to have the option to pay and then it goes to eviction and then it comes to court and, and the judge is going to decide, well, are we going to evict this tenant or not? And if they don't pay up, then they have to be evicted. And when they do get evicted, they owe all of the back rents plus they have to forfeit their home. Then the park gets lean on the title and the park then gets to uh, transfer the title and happens we can basically go in and remodel the home if it needs to be remodeled and then uh, sell it to to the next tenant so really the the difference is is that the tenants have to forfeit their home and the interesting thing is is you know when people are getting evicted for a mobile home park we're talking about they couldn't pay three hundred dollars and maybe that dragged out for two or three months maximum and so we're talking about a thousand dollars and then they they end up losing that and, and at home and it's uh it's just the way it goes got it okay so if someone want to invest passively in mobile home parks and they were on the fence what are a couple of things that you would point to to convince them otherwise mm. well uh, passive investors get to take benefit of appreciation and we have accelerated so for commercial real estate usually depreciation uh, gets drawn out over 39 years. However, in mobile home parks, uh, the improvements are things like the road, the underground water and sewer lines, gas lines, electrical system, um, any of the things, you know, even the mobile homes themselves and a lot of the infrastructure, that gets to get, get depreciated at a much more rapid rate. Some of those items actually get depreciated over seven years. And when we average everything out, the depreciation gets depreciated over about 15 to 17 years, which is much faster than single family and other commercial as well. So come tax time, that means for the passive investor, a lot less taxes that they would have to pay on their personal tax return, which gets pushed through on a K-1. 
So I would say that the, the tax benefits of investing in a mobile home park is very, very beneficial. Another thing we touched on before is that the whole topic of being recession proof. I mean, mobile home parks are really, they're in high, high demand and there's just not enough of them out there. So if you've got your hands on a good mobile home park, the phone's going to be ringing off the hook because tenants want to stay there. That means that your revenue is going to be high and, and that's fantastic. That's definitely what we want to hear. And uh, yeah, I mean, they really are cash cows. There's a really high cash flow in mobile home parks and I buy all of my parks that are massively cash flowing already. And then we just add on top of that and make it even better. So, okay. And you touched, right there. you touched on utilities as maybe being one of the downside risks of mobile home park investing. What are some other risks that passive investors should look out for? Or what are some of the things that would cause an investment to not perform to the level that it's expected to for mobile home parks? Okay. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I do think that utilities is a big play. You know, if you have a park that has no private utilities and they're all public, then that's a relatively safe park. Um, you, you don't really have any big items in there that could throw you some challenges. So that's, that's great. If you're getting involved in a park that has no, um, no private utilities, then that's fantastic. Honestly, I would say that the second thing is really the operator. You know, you can have an, uh, an amazing mobile home park and you can have an inexperienced or, or, or poor manager of that asset and they can turn it into something very average. Or you could have an average mobile home park and have an amazing operator who's very experienced, who has great systems, who really hits the ground running and, and, and just nails everything. And they can turn that around into an absolutely fantastic investment. So... When I'm ever talking to investors, I always say, you know, you put 50% um, of your due diligence and investigations and decision making on the actual asset itself, on the mobile home park and the market that the mobile home park's in, and you make sure that you're comfortable with that. But then I would put at least 50% into getting to know who the operator is, who's actually going to be managing this mobile home park, you know, who are they, what do they do, how long they've been doing this and all that kind of thing. So I, I really think that the make or break mainly comes down to the operator. And then of course you would want to have a good park with the right statistics in the right market, uh, which is too much for us to cover right now, but definitely put a lot on, you know, who you're investing with. Yeah, no, that's great advice. Thank you. All right. I think uh, Lolita is going to take us into our final four questions. Awesome. All right. Well, in wrapping things up, Bryce, I want to ask your final four questions. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Cool. So what is the one tool that you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? I use spurlingsbestplaces.net. Um, I believe it's just called bestplaces.net now. They changed the name of it. And that is a website. It's kind of like city data, but it has all of the information that we're looking for in a mobile home park. It has our median house pricing, our city population, our uh, unemployment rate. And it lets me quickly look at a market in an area and say, okay, that's a market that can handle having a mobile home park. So I use that tool probably 20 or 30 times a day. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's a great resource. Yeah. All right. Um, can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing so far? And what is the main takeaway for our listeners? The biggest mistake in real estate investing so far. Hmm. 
I suppose my biggest mistake would have been a failure with a gas system that we had. And really, I, I suppose what I learned from that, so I, I had a gas system at a mobile home park that had a small leak in it and it had to get shut down and turned off. And then we ended up having no gas until the gas got repaired and retested, repressure tested. But then when we had a pressure test, which was after about three days, um, then the pressure test failed because they blew too much pressure into the system and it actually popped another leak somewhere else. And we're trying to find a leak in like hundreds and hundreds of feet of gas lines that are under the ground. And we ended up, we ended up fixing it and we ended up getting it all resolved. But it took about two weeks and it was in winter and a lot of our tenants were without, uh, they were without, you know, heating and hot water. So we had to go in there and buy them electric pans to heat up hot water. And we had to get them little electric heaters for their house. And just to tie them over, we were even buying, you know, hot dinners and food and medications for people and then everything like that just to tie them over. Um, what the, the biggest lesson that I learned from that was, you know, with the pressure testing is that you really have to, um, have your system pressure tested before you can have it turned back on. And sometimes those pressure tests can be really, really brutal on the gas system. Mm -hmm. So really the biggest lesson learned from that is would I buy a park with a gas system again? And I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, really that's, that's what it comes down to. I mean, the leaks that we had, they were the size of a pilot light. So they were really, really, really small. But, you know, you can't discriminate between a large or small leak when you're, when you're talking about safety of a system. So they can be, that can be a, a very dangerous game to get involved in. So I would not buy a park that has a gas system in it. All right. Uh, what is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? To grow my life to the next level, I think really is just enjoying more of what I already enjoy. Um, you know, as I've grown as an investor, as I've grown closer and closer towards my goals each year, I, I come to a place where I, I just really appreciate living the life that I live and focusing more on the time that I get to spend with my family and friends. And I think that's what investing is really all about. I mean, why are, why are we passively investing? We're, we're doing that so that we can create a lifestyle that we can have more time to spend with each other. So. Really, for me, it's just uh, having more time with my family and friends. Fantastic. And lastly, Bryce, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, you can find out about me uh, at my website, which is propertyworksllc.com. And propertyworks is spelt with a Z or a Z at the end of it. So that's propertyworks with a Z, llc.com. Or you guys can call me at 949-954-0880. And uh, I don't think I've mentioned it yet, but I've got a book coming out, uh, 10,000 Miles, The American Dream, which is a collaboration with some Australian friends of mine who have come over to America and uh, had great success investing in different asset classes in uh, real estate in the U.S. And we are really, really, really happy with the U.S. market. We just think that it compares... Um, you know, nothing can really compare to it with other markets in the world. We've all traveled all over the place and had different businesses and experiences in other countries. And we're, we're big fans of American real estate. We've all had a lot of success. So in our book, we, we cover, you know, what, what we've been successful with. And we cover a lot of different asset classes and where we see some of the future of 
uh, U.S. real estate investing going. Great book for passive investors if you're sitting on the fence. Uh, and I also have a home study course that's coming out next month for mobile home park investing. It's an extension of my uh, live two-day mobile home park investing uh, live event. So if any of you guys are interested, just text A to Z of MHP to 949-954-0880 and you can find out more information there. Awesome. Amazing stuff. Uh, thanks for your time and being on this show. Um, thanks for showing our listeners that you can really get started in real estate investing with nothing or in your case, negative uh, net worth. So uh, thank you for providing us with so many educational outlets as well. Uh, Kyle and I will have to attend one of your nationwide events and you better believe that we'll be picking up your book. Beautiful. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Awesome. Right, thanks, thanks, Bryce. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the passive income through multifamily real estate podcast and to get access to today's show notes and to previous shows, visit limitless-estates.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.